All right, we're recording? Yes, sir. All right, welcome everyone to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Uh, only Josh and I today, no Jason, um, decided to take in a vacation during one of the most important weeks of the offseason. Actually, the the most important week of the offseason? You could argue. The most important two-week stretch of the offseason, at least. So, I don't know, bud. Whatever. <laughs> um, but, so... Expansion draft just finished tonight. Seattle Kraken, you know, the team is set. We have a roster. We knew the picks beforehand. Thank you, Frankie Spaghetti. You want to talk about that, that quickly? One. Yeah, I do. We have been waiting. How long? When was this Seattle expansion team announced? Two years ago? Yeah. Rumored yeah. about three years ago? Yeah. So everyone had the, their their armchair GM, their, their team's ready, the prediction podcasts out, and all of that. And... Like, we've been waiting for this moment for two years now, and Frank Saravelli decides to go on a revenge tour against ESPN because they didn't sign him, and he spills the beans on pretty much every single pick. Frank, this is not—it's not like the NBA draft when Woj does it, where it's—he spills the beans on the picks before it comes out two minutes before, whatever— like, we've been, there's not going to be an expansion draft next year. There's not going to be an expansion draft the year after that. There might not be another one for 20 years. There's a, there's a chance at that. And Frank Cervelli just decides, you know what? He woke up with a thorn in his ass, and he tweeted out every single pick that the Kraken were going to make this morning. I don't know who pissed in his Cheerios. But he ruined the draft for me. I'm, I'm sorry. It was nice. It was good. They did a good job. The fans seem to get really, really drunk. That atmosphere is going to be ballistic. But, yeah, what were your thoughts Here's on the thing. That? I don't fully blame it on Frank Saravelli. Here's why. So he just left TSN. He did his job. It's, I agree. He, he just signed with Daily Faceoff. It's like a big new signing for them, right? Like he's going to be the head of like insider of their hockey coverage, something they've never had before, really. The problem is all in the NHL. I give the NHL no like no credit for anything they've done with this ex- expansion draft today because all they had to do was just announce all the picks at 8 o'clock on the broadcast like a real draft, and you wouldn't have any tip- picks tipped. I get they want to bring the players in. That's fine. Then maybe just announce five and bring those five players in. That way, Saravelli and... But it wasn't just him. Elliot Friedman was doing it. Darren Dreger was doing it. A random guy from the street almost broke the Leafs tr- pick, oh, and then someone did it again last night. But the problem is, like, you had such excitement built. There's a couple things. A perfect storm. You had Vegas's expansion team went so well, right? So a lot of people were excited for this expansion draft, more than Vegas is, right? Because you had something to expect. Second of all, it's your first ESPN hockey broadcast. What a way to start. Even John Butchergross, who's like, uh, he's not going to be a play-by-play guy, but he's like the equivalent of like a Jay Onre kind yeah. of thing for their sports center, was like, yeah, it's a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's it's ruining the TV experience. Wind out of the sails, as but, they say. Oh, well, I, I get why they did it, but it really just ruined it. And people, here's the, the most frustrating part. I saw somebody tweeted at the Rink Rat account saying like, oh, why didn't you just mute Twitter? Like, first of all, it's a literal hockey Twitter account. Do you want him to just not use the Twitter all day on one of the biggest days of the year? Second of all, like, some people just have, like, friends that like hockey that just talk about it. Whether they like it or not, some of it's going to get spoiled as well. And I got score notifications and sports and Instagram notifications. And Instagram. Everything. I saw it on TikTok. No, the guy didn't just say, why didn't you mute 
Twitter, he told me, nobody has a gun to your head. You don't have to look at Twitter. A, when I first checked Twitter, how am I supposed to know all the picks are just going to be there? Like, I don't know. If I check Twitter tomorrow, is it going to say, is Frank Saravelli going to break the news on how I'm going to die? Like, I don't know. I know that was a little aggressive. Oh, but Whoa. Damn. It, it, it was disappointing on that I, I will say this, though. This was the Frank Saravelli coming out party, though. Good for him. <laughs> Like, everyone knows who he is now. If you didn't before, because he kind of was like the number three insider at TSN. Mm -hmm. I think he probably had more scoops than he showed in the past just because of the hierarchy there. I'm just speculating. But, like, he has every source in the book. He had every pick, pretty much. Oh, yeah. And, like, the least Darcy Kemper rumors, he had those going. He's been kicking up some dust. And, I mean, not just, like, Pagnotta dust where it's, like, he has the actual you know, facts and the actual scoops. And then he just has a bunch of fluff and garbage on the other hand. And he just picks which drawer to pull out of one day. Hmm. You know, maybe John Tavares is getting traded to Vegas. And he's going to throw that dust and garbage out there. And then two seconds later, he's going to break an actual signing. That's Pagnotis. Yeah, or he just puts like 20 guys in an article that the Leafs are interested <laughs> in. Like, okay, I get he it. He puts out a 31... Uh, a list of 31 guys to watch for to get traded. He links the Leafs to literally every single one yeah. of them so that idiots like me tweet about it and it gets some engagement. But you know what, Pagnata? He does a good job. He, he keeps us entertained. But, yeah, overall, I mean, they did an all right job, Seattle, with the whole production. Yeah. I wish they would have told some people, you have to put the mic to your mouth. I couldn't hear Cami Granado or some of the other people. Um, I wish they really would have got Sean Kemp was it Sean Kemp? Yep. A, a, a shirt that fit him. It seemed like they got him a small one. He's six foot nine. They got him one that was too small. Or he traded with Gary Payton backstage or something. And then he tucked it in. Like, it was just a tough look. And then they gave him the hardest name to pronounce there <laughs> Jonas Danuski or whatever he said. JC, can you pull that up for us? No? All right. Anyways. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean. It was, it was a good broadcast. It, it would have right. been, again, way better if we they didn't really know the They really didn't picks. need Kevin Weeks going up to the Space no, Needle, into started. the fish market, underwater, into the the aquarium and all that. But um, overall, it was not bad. It was, it was good television for a Wednesday night in July, right? Yeah. You know? But let's get into it. We're going to get, get into, into a little uh, the Leafs expansion draft, as we always do. The Leafs, because that's what the hockey universe centers around. Um we still got some people complaining about it. Some sensible people have come out. But what were your thoughts on the Leafs trading for Jared McCann and then losing Jared McCann? So kind of like what we speculated last episode, um, essentially what Kyle Dubas did is he paid insurance. And I know a lot of Leaf fans are tired of hearing that word, but that's what he did. So he knew that, you know, Seattle liked Kerfoot and Seattle liked Jared McCann and they can only pick one player that's one thing that seems to get lost on a lot of people for this expansion draft they can only take one player from your team and you have to give up one player from your team so essentially what he did he said okay we'll buy very cheap on Jared McCann which evidently happened a seventh in Hollander like that's pretty cheap if you ask me um but then you had the risk that you could lose him in the expansion draft and they did. The problem was, if it was just a random player A that got traded for, and we didn't know who it was, and Kyle Dubas made this move and he kept our roster together, which included keeping Kerfoot and then protecting Hall as well, I think people would have been pretty happy. Like, let's say they traded for, I don't know, Curtis Gabriel, knowing that 
Just an example, knowing that Seattle would take him or had a chance to take him. And instead, we get to keep our roster together. I think everyone would be happy with that. Is that fair to say? No, you would 100%. So the problem was the player used as the device to keep our roster together happened to be a pretty good player, unfortunately. And once he was on the roster, I think Leaf fans got excited. And fairly so, because you know what? Jared McCann last year was spectacular. He was an analytics darling. He produced as well. Uh, goals, assists, points, Both just the regular the stats. Exactly. So people fell in love with him and then said, oh, you know what? Maybe I wouldn't mind losing Alex Kerfoot, which is interesting because the week before, they were up in arms about losing Alex Kerfoot. You see a little trend here. It almost becomes like Leaf fans are really disgruntled, and I get that, but it can't be flip-flop every week like this. Mm-hmm. We talked about it for a month. The move was to protect Justin Hall and just let Kerfoot go. I even said, if you just told Leaf fans before the playoffs you just lost Alex Kerfoot for free in the expansion draft, I think a lot of them would be happy. By the time we got to the expansion draft, people were not happy about losing Alex Kerfoot anymore. right? Because of a seven-game sample size. Until they traded for Jared McCann. And then, okay, let's get rid of Alex Kerfoot. So really, there, I think there was no win here for the Leafs once they traded for Jared McCann and decided not to protect him. Now, the other argument is, would you have rather protected Jared McCann and exposed Justin Hall? Which could be a question, I think. Going 7-3-1, and one, yeah. That could be a question. But for now, what they did is they decided to give a seventh-round pick in Philip Hollander to keep their roster intact. So that's what they lost to the expansion draft. They technically lost Jared McCann, but what they really lost is a seventh-round pick in Philip Hollander. Yes. That's, that's the take on it. There can't be any other take. I saw what, yeah, the opportunity cost of it, like, I don't know. I, I, I just, I would find it very, I find it very hard. Like, where are you going to find a Justin Hall replacement that's cost effective? Because then again, like, okay, you go out and you spend all of your cap money that you have because they do have some cap money. You go and you, you maybe trade Kerfoot and you spend your cap money on a defenseman. Okay. But then you still have that hole that's left by Zach Hyman there. And you had Alex, like, are you going to bring Alex Galchenyuk back then to play second line then? Like, well, no, because you have Jared McCann there, so that would make sense. But you still have that hole left by Zach Hyman. So I think by cost-effectively, like, keeping Justin Hole in the top four and having him there two mil for two more years and then just having the cap money to address the forwards – it's overall the better play. It is up for debate. I'm not saying this is 100% what they should have done. I know some people complain, oh, Justin Hole can't play away from Jake Muzzin. Okay, well, most of his Justin Hole's minutes last year away from Jake Muzzin were with Morgan Riley. Could you argue Justin Hole can't play with Morgan Riley? I don't know. I think you can argue that. I mean, Morgan Riley is a pretty difficult player to play with. He's very up and down the ice. Some people the first couple games of the year thought TJ Bro- and TJ Brody stood for total junk because he didn't look that great. I mean, but at the end of the year, what are we all saying? One of the best defensive defensemen in the league. So that's my take on it. I, I still think somehow I would love to figure out a way to pair TJ Brody and Jake Muzzin together full time. That would be such a dream made in heaven shut down pairing that i mean that clearly seattle now has it seems like mm-hmm. some of those pick pickups but i don't know how that you make that work but then again like let's just remove ourselves from fantasy land and free agent frenzy and all that the Leafs had a good defensive core last year why not run it back the defense was not the problem 
Problem was your all-stars couldn't score. Right. And I think it really came down to this. Do the Leafs feel better about either replacing Jared McCann slash Alex Kerfoot at three-ish million dollars? Or did they feel better about losing Justin Hall and having to replace him at two-ish million dollars? I think the clear decision for them was, you know, we're not going to get a player equivalent of Justin Hall's caliber at two million. Right? Exactly. And all they did was, you know, look at Kerfoot and say he makes three and a half million. Is there anyone out there that could give me a similar production at that price? Yeah, they found one in two seconds in Jared McCann, right? They did. It doesn't mean they can't find another one after. The unfortunate part, which is fair, is that Jared McCann is a good player, A. B, he was significantly better than Alex Kerfoot during the regular season last year. Mm-hmm. And C, he was technically on the least roster. So it's, it's frustrating because I think in a perfect world, and my friend Eric coined, the, coined it like this, in a 10 out of 10 scenario, the Leafs trade for McCann, they let Seattle take Kerfoot, and you clear cap and you have a better player and you come out ahead. What happened was more like the 8 slash 8.5 out of 10 scenario where you protect your roster using a low-cost trade, right? Mm-hmm. Which was a 7th and Hollander. I'll keep saying it because that's what they lost to the expansion draft, really. Instead of making one of these crazy deals with Seattle, which apparently they didn't even make any because their asking price was so high, right? So instead of saying, oh, here's a first to not take Kerfoot, they said, again, we'll get McCann insurance. That right? would be asinine. Exactly. A first so, for Kerfoot? Unfortunately, they decided to take Jared McCann. Contrary to the original fish video that we saw on Twitter. That I posted on Instagram. That a lot of people posted. Okay, we lost Jared McCann. It's unfortunate. But I, I get, again. It's not Leaf, the end of the world. Leaf, but Leaf fans, I get it. You're very frustrated. But this is not like the be-all and end-all. I saw Andrew Berkshire, who I believe is a Montreal Canadiens reporter, mm-hmm. tweet that, like, if this is really your hill to die on on Kyle Dubas is that he lost Jared McCann instead of Alex Kerfoot in the expansion draft, like, maybe you're a little bit overreacting here. And it's true. It's true. So, again, I'd prefer McCann over Kerfoot. I don't want, like, I don't want to get that twisted. I'm a little, you know, disappointed we didn't get to have McCann. See what could have been. Correct. Because I said a month ago, I had no issue with losing Alex Kerfoot for free in the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. So... Who knows what will happen now? I think you got to pencil him in as our third line center if, if he's still on the roster. Yeah. If you I, trade him, what do you get? From I was going to say, is there a possibility that they trade him after the expansion? I, I, from what I heard beforehand, they were trying to move his salary, like either like to Seattle or, you know, afterwards. So I, I still think it's a good possibility that we see Alex Kerfoot on the move. It's draft night on Friday. Yeah. And obviously it's easier to move a player post expansion because they don't have to be protected anymore. That's something else to consider. Right? If so you're exactly. thinking, oh, if they could have moved them, they would have moved them before. Well, maybe the price no. is a lot different, right? Yeah. So exactly. that's something to look at too. But I really think this is the tough question to ask. Would you have rather gone seven, three and one and protected Jared McCann? I'm not even going to say protected McCann and Kerfoot because I don't care. You go seven, three, one, leave Kerfoot exposed. I don't care. That's fine. It's really, would you have rather protected Jared McCann or Justin Hall? Which I think is way more of a conversation than Kerfoot or Justin Hall. But I still think at the end of the day, Justin Hall's cap hit and his comfortability he showed with Jake Muzzin pre-hand injury is something that the Leafs are banking on. And again, if you want to replace him, I'm looking at two contracts given out tonight. I think Adam Larson and Jamie Alexiak are both superior players to Justin Hall. But if you lose Justin Hall... That's the type of player they're going to try to replace him with, right? A top four defensive-minded defenseman. Those guys made four and four point seven five, I think it was, or four twenty-three million dollars over five years. Yeah, so, so that'd be four point six. Right? Four, four and four point six million. So again, that you're not bringing a Justin Hall type in for two million. It's yeah. not happening. I'd so. be more, I'd be more unhappy if Justin Hall was making four mil. Exactly. Like, exactly. I think if Justin Hall was making four mil, he'd be on Seattle. Oh, for sure. 
And the other thing I want to point out is there was a big discussion about Hall or Dermot. From James Myrtle's article, who, again, there's nobody more tuned in with the ins and outs day-to-day of the Leafs. He might not be an insider, but he's the Leafs beat reporter. He said, the Leafs believe if they had exposed Justin Hall, he would have been Seattle's pick. The Kraken head coach Dave Haxtell ran the Leafs defense the past years and is a big believer in Hall. Add in the fact he doesn't make a lot of money, and you look who the Kraken ended up on D, it's obvious they could use another right-shot D, either to play or flip in a trade. I saw also on Twitter that Dave Haxall was actually not a big fan of Travis Dermott. So, and you can tell that by his time on ice. Again, anyone speculating that it might have been Dermott over Hall? No, it would have no, been Hall. 100% so, no. and uh, the, let's say you lose Hall, your other option again is Travis Dermott at right D. They do not trust Travis Dermott to play top four right D right now. I understand the numbers are good. The team does not trust. How him much to do has that. he played third pairing right D? Not much. That's why. Like. Now all of a sudden we're going to throw him second pairing tough minutes with Jake Muzzin, like that's a little bit too much armchair GM for me. Agree. You have to throw him. You have to ease him in. And again, at the end of the day, if you just settle back in on Kerfoot as your third line center, it's not what I would have wanted, but it's not the end of the world. It really isn't. No, not at all. So we'll but. see what happens. But again, I think there's more moves to come. They have around ten million dollars of cap space now when you take McCann off their roster. So we'll see. And who knows? They could move Kerfoot, or they can't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Exactly, exactly. And then on top of this, uh, it was announced today, Zach Hyman was in Edmonton today. I guess someone was doing the flight tracker and found him in Edmonton. Um, so he's meeting with the Oilers right now. They, It's per Elliot Friedman, it looks like the, the Leafs might be looking to do a trade with Edmonton for his rights so that Edmonton can sign him for that eighth year. I'm guessing it's going to be around a fifth, maybe a fourth if we're lucky. Could see that at the draft there, but I think he's going to get caked. What do you think Hyman signs for in Edmonton? I think if it's eight years, it's going to be between five and a half and six million dollars somehow. Like it's going to be a crazy contract. Makes sense. Five. I think five and a half. Apparently the Leafs were offering five. I don't know how legitimate no, that I, source I, that was. wasn't the report. It was that if the Leafs offered him five, he would take it. Oh. But there was never any indication that the Leafs a offered him leak five. From the agent. Correct. There. Correct. Show the show the cards a little bit, and then, uh, but yeah, I think around yeah that makes sense. Then five, six maybe. Interesting to hear that Taylor Hall apparently, the offer that he's about to sign is four years for six mil per. Yeah. So Zach Hyman or Taylor versus Taylor Hall. Yeah, I'd have Taylor Hall. Of course, and I get, I know Edmonton's trying to make a splash this summer, but in my opinion, they're doing it in all the wrong ways, and today was a massive blow for that team. I would say Adam Larson outside of their big three, which I consider to be McDavid, Leon, and Nurse. He's the most important player on that team. He played the toughest minutes of any player on defense, and he is a player. They don't have another Adam Larson on their team. They just don't. And if you're going to replace him Unless with Duncan somehow Keith. somehow going to be Ethan Bear, but like. But apparently they're going to the move defense. Ethan Bear too. That's what they're saying. They've what? gone a little bit off the rocker in Edmonton. Because I've seen reports today that they're going to sign Tyson Barry. So your top four is going to be Nurse, Barry, Keith, and Chris Russell? If, if, if Keith and Barry are on the same defensive core, like, I'm sorry, are you trying to put up a football game numbers? Like, those Edmonton games are going to be wild. And on top of that, you're, you're running it back for two more years with Mike Smith who just absolutely pooped his pants in the playoffs at 38, 39 years old. I know. And the other thing is, I, personally, I know people will say Hyman will fit in great beside McDavid. 
I don't think that's the player they need. I really don't. No, McDavid could could take a shoe and put him at left wing, and, and it'll score 20 Zach goals. Zach Cassian put up a bunch of points. Also, they had two players in Kyler Yamamoto and Jesse Pugliarvi be relatively impressive this year to a point where I would be more looking at a third-line center type that can possibly, like, literally a Jared McCann type almost mm-hmm. that can chip in the tough minutes and maybe score a goal here and there. I, I don't think they need to add to their top six. I don't think... No. Their, the top of their lineup scoring was any Especially issue. Especially giving out a free agent contract, a top Correct. end free agent and contract. It, I'm sorry, is that Kaima going to go there and play third line for $6 million? No. I don't think so. So in my opinion, He's with that right money, I'd be signing two short-term deals on maybe veterans looking for bounce backs, but not like James Neal. Like, I'm talking, like, Turris, I'm talking like Brandon Sod or Jaden Schwartz, guys that can play. They don't have to play with McDavid to contribute. They don't. Even a Nick Bonino. Got Thomas guys on Tatar. The th- exactly. They can come in cheap in the bottom six relatively to a Zach Hyman and give you secondary scoring. Hyman will give you complementary scoring to McDavid. Mm-hmm. I don't. There's a difference, I think, because when you're already on McDavid's line, I don't think the difference between Zach Hyman playing there or Paul Yarvey playing there is a massive difference to me. I think both those guys can probably produce the exact same Honestly, amount. Honestly, you need someone like Brandon Saad, some finishing ability on the third line, or even or even to p- part. To pair with Connor McDavid, but even then, he doesn't need it. That's the thing. Like he could make anybody a star. Cheap short term. That's sure, what I was but I'm just I'm like. just thinking that would not be the player I'd be prioritizing. It just wouldn't if I was Edmonton. I thought like because they took that strategy last year with Kyle Turris, short term, low money. I don't even know how many years he's more years he signed for. Hopefully none because he stunk out the joint this year. But Turris wasn't like good the year before. He I was terrible, like and they were banking on a bounce back year for some depth there, and he. He he was a scratch, I believe. I don't even know if he played one playoff game, but he was awful this year. Yeah. But like, that can't be the reason that you don't go out and get you know a guy banking on a bounce back year again. Like, I don't know what their direction is. I think the guy running the ship there needs to t- take off the mask and reveal that it's not Ken Holland running it; it's Peter Shirelli again in disguise. Because, but I I like I don't know what what the hell they're doing. Like, yeah, I don't because know. then after that, if, if Zach Hyman doesn't work out this year, if you find, oh, he wasn't a good fit with McDavid, he couldn't quite drive the third line. You spent a free agent contract on him, a top end free agent contract, and you've maxed yourself out to the cap. What? And then you're going to rebuild again with all those bad contracts. Like yeah, this know. is the end of the road for Edmonton. I think they've really like they've made it the end of the road. The other like, thing is everyone's branding Zach Hyman as like a, you know, a leader, which he may be, and like somebody who can contribute in the playoffs. I'm sorry. He just, he's on the Leafs, guys. How he had one goal this one year goal. and it bounced off the side of his skate. I don't even know if it really touched his skate. Like, there's, there's, Jason doesn't seem convinced that it went off of him and in. Like, one goal, seven games. So, why is Hyman being branded as this like playoff superstar when, no offense, he was not that for the Leafs? He was a competitive playoff player. He worked yeah. his ass off. Every series, he seemed to score one goal, which is good. I think he ended up with five or six goals. But this is not like it's not like you're bringing in a proven playoff Blake Coleman type here, right? Like, not that I think that matters that much, but those are the narratives around Zach Hyman. I'm just wondering how those develop playing for the worst playoff team of all time, apparently, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, Zach Hyman's total playoff numbers 13 points in 32 games, which his best playoff years were his first two. His last three playoffs, he has a combined five points in 19 games with three goals. 
like like if Zach Hyman <laughs> ends up getting the biggest contract of any forward in free agency not named Gabriel Landeskog like I'm I'm I'll be shocked but also not cuz it seems like that's the way it's going his agents either his agents a mastercraft or of just like playing the media and increasing his value or NHL GMs have just suffered way too many concussions and <laughs> shouldn't be at the helm clearly the other thing is don't forget he's 29 He's not like a ACL twenty-seven surgery, right MCL to free agency injury. He's twenty-nine. Like, I don't know. I don't know how. So you you think he's gonna be effective until he's thirty-five, thirty-six? Absolutely not. He's gonna fall uh, off a cliff. It's gonna be an awful. I wish contract. all the best for him, though. I'd love to have him back on the Leafs on an affordable deal. I think it would be great. But oh, yeah. just seems like two point like two five for four years. Was that the year? He, yeah. What he it's signed a great deal signed by by uh, Lou Lamorello. Honestly, we'll give him credit for that. That was an awesome one. I mean, Played well beyond his value Absolutely. there. So, but that's know. what you need. You need guys that are going to play beyond their value, not play under their cap number, which is going to yeah. be what Hyman is by year three or four, in my opinion. It's Ryan sucks. Callahan. Yep. It sucks because uh, Ryan Callahan, David Backus, David Clarkson. Um, and it kind of sucks. I mean, like the Leafs don't have any of those guys right now where you can sign them to that sort of contract. You remember it was Connor Brown was in that situation, Zach Hyman. They both signed those similar deals there. But they were coming off of like sub 40 point rookie years and they were up to RFA. So they didn't have that proven track record. They had okay rookie years. So you were able to extend them four years at a low AAV. And now, I mean, you don't have any more of those. Well, so cause you don't sucks. know if you have any of them, you haven't given any, given anyone a shot. That's Could Nick true. Robertson be one of those? I don't know. Hopefully. Could Adam Brooks be one of those? Great player. I don't Adam know. Adam Brooks, we'll see. Needs a bit more of a shot. Who knows? But maybe somebody will step up. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Well, Joey Anderson's under contract, cheap for another year or two. Maybe he can. He's a good skater. I think he he showed a lot with the Marlies. Didn't get much of a shot with the Leafs. So we'll 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 see how things shake out. We got a lot uh, a lot coming up. The draft. Um, obviously, the Leafs have three picks, but there could always be trades there. Maybe uh, Zach agency. Hyman gets you a pick. Maybe Zach Hyman gets you an extra pick. Who knows? But anyways, moving on, um, just free agency quick for the Leafs we, before we transition to the rest of the NHL as we kind of usually flow through episodes where there isn't a ton of Leafs stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, one player that you're targeting for the Leafs to get in free agency to tease the the free agency episode that we do so the guy i would be looking at is brandon sod and the reason i would say brandon sod is because i think he he can play up and down the lineup and that's important for the Leafs because last year our second line had alex galchenyuk on it for a long time when he played in the bottom six he was largely ineffective brandon Saad could play first second or third line for you in a pinch he has good offensive impacts. His defensive impacts have low have slowed a bit in Colorado, but that could just be because of the way that they play. Could just be a system thing. I'm not totally sure. But we know in the past he's been a defensive, re- defensively responsible winger as well. And I also think he brings a lot of actual valuable and tangible things. He's been a lot on a lot of different types of teams. He's been on a cup team in Chicago. And he's been around the block. He's played in different systems. I think this is the closest thing to like a chameleon NHL free agent you can sign where I would put that guy in almost any situation and I think not necessarily think he's going to be a home run but he's going to be solid and he's going to thrive in almost any situation and I think 
He could play first line left wing. He could play third line left wing. And he and if you have that guy on your third line, that's you know encouraging because I think he can actually produce on a third line. Do I think Zach Hyman on his own could produce on a third line? I'm not a thousand percent sure, to be honest. I'm not. Showed it a little bit this year. For what, three games, four games? Well, uh, decent amount. I don't know. He showed a couple here and there. And, and he, he might be able to. But I also think Brandon Saw will be a lot more affordable. And I think you can almost convince that guy to take a little shorter term, too. He's still 28 years old. He's been paid already a good amount. He, he seems like a guy who wants to win as well. Good character. I think that's the guy to look at. There's other guys who I think could make more money that I would like more. But I think they'll get priced out of the Leafs range just because, again, they'll become a player who will not be able to outplay the contract that they sign. Like a Blake Coleman, for example. That's a, paid. that's a ready-made Hyman replacement, but he's going to make the same, if not more, than Zach Hyman, I think. Something around there. The other one, sure. obviously, Landeskog would be perfect. I don't know if that's realistic. But um, in terms of the realistic possibilities, I think Brandon Saad would be a perfect fit on the Leafs. In that sort of tier of free agencies. I mean, 104 points in his last 182 games, 24 in his la- in 44 last year, 22% shooting percentage. Like, my big, like, I don't think, that's where I mentioned those stats. They're not that glorious, but the reason I bring them up is because he, he's not going to get paid that, that much. Right. Like, I don't think his AAV is going to be four, four and a half. I think it'll be four. I think it'll be in the four fours. short term. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's going to get paid out the butthole this free agency period. But the number one thing that I like about Brandon Saad is his finishing ability. You don't have, you have, other than just Jason Spezza, like your third line really needs someone that can finish. You can, as I've said before, you cannot pair Engvall and McKayhev and Kerfoot together again, especially in the playoffs. Those guys just aren't going to score against good teams. They all have stones for hands. Like it looks like they're both playing with two left feet for hands. Like I, it frustrates me to watch them play, especially I, if like, I don't know how many more times I can watch Kerfoot and Mikheyev go on a two-on-one and just bury it straight into the goalie's pads. Uh, We need someone like a Brandon Saad-type player, maybe even to transition real smoothly into the guy I'm targeting. I would really, really like Thomas Tatar. I haven't heard anything out of his... like. We haven't heard anything about him, what his direction is so far, so... I'm going to add it to the pipe dream there. Thomas Tatar, he scored mid-20s a few times throughout his career. Obviously had a tough go. His team went to the, made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and he did not play a game outside of the first round, I want to say. Uh, only 10 goals in 50 games this year as well. Short, like Ice time went down as two. But, I mean, he led Montreal in scoring, I want to say, one year. I think it was last year. Last season, he had 61 points in 68 games. Analytics, Sterling, on top of that, in 61 points in 68 games, only playing 16-18 in ice time as well, with 22 goals there. Like, I think this playoff run and watching him getting scratched and he's putting up lower numbers, he's still relatively young at uh, almost 30 years so, old. So, not to interrupt you, but do you also think this is a good candidate to maybe take a prove-it deal with the Leafs? I think so for sure. Where we can get him on a one or one year maybe, and he can come in and produce and play in the playoffs, unlike he did for Montreal, and then make a bigger deal. Exactly. One year, hopefully around three and a half, and then after that, you you go to market and you get cake for five years, five and whatever. I mean, he's already signed a deal with the Red Wings that was worth twenty plus twenty five million dollars, five and a half by five, I want to say, that actually led him to being traded 
to Montreal. That whole situation just made no sense. But anyways, Thomas Tatar, I think some more finishing ability, as I mentioned, great numbers behind him there. I think that could be a real interesting pickup for the Leafs there. I totally agree. I have no issue with that at all. I, if I didn't take Saad, I probably would have said Tatar. Mm-hmm. Another guy I, I know you like is Granlin. Not that we're going to go down the whole list. I know you like Granlin. We'll cut it off at there. I love Granlin. Great finishing we'll, ability. Maybe we'll get into this. Really another. lacking in the playoffs, but right. we're going to do a whole episode on these guys. We'll talk about our. The one thing I want to say dream. is there's a lot of these types of guys out there. So Leafs fans, if you're worried, who are they going to get? Go type in 2021 NHL free agents. I t- I'm telling you, you'll see a lot of names that you like there. So. Oh yeah, for sure. And they have some cap space to work. They with. do. You're not in cap hell. No, uh, you're not. But. On top of that, they do need a backup goalie. I will have to retract what I was saying about Yarrow Halak. I was tr- I thought it was a big injury he suffered. He's 36, but the injury apparently wasn't that bad. He just wasn't in the playoffs. So maybe he could be a, worth a good look short term. But with Halak, would that would be more of a 60-40 type split with Campbell, right? You'd anticipate instead of what we Any, were talking about before, which I, is more 50-50. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think anyone that you get is either it's going to be a 50-50 split or a 60-40 split. But I will say about Halak, in nineteen twenty he played 31 games. In eighteen nineteen he played 40 games. And in seventeen eighteen he played 54 games. He's not... Yeah, he was the 1B in Boston. Right. So I, I wouldn't be... Sp- pencil him for 35 games for the Leafs if they sign him. I don't yeah. think that's out of the question. I don't know, not the best numbers this year, so... But we'll see. We'll see what's out there. Darcy Kemper, fingers crossed, is out there. Mm-hmm. But... Let's get into the Kraken picks. Um, I mean, some surprises here, I think, definitely. I don't think many people mocked some of these picks. Um, for So we went through Kerfoot versus McCann. What were your thoughts on the Saint, the pick from St. Louis there? So uh, before last episode, um, we had a little discussion, and I just had heard things about Tarasenko's injury. It's just I, I don't think it's a great situation right now for him. I don't think... You know, he's fully healthy. And actually, I think it was yesterday, there was an article on The Athletic from his doctor coming out and saying, no, 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 he is healthy. And if you follow sports, anytime you got your doctor coming in the media to say that you're healthy, it's obviously to dispel whatever rumors are out there indicating the opposite of that, which is that he's probably not that healthy. So everyone was saying, oh, why did St. Louis leave Tarasenko exposed? They could just flip him if they're Seattle. I wasn't convinced that they were going to do that. Uh, I really think that cap number pr- plus the injury situation, if you're trading them, you're retaining salary 100%, I think. So that led them to Vince Dunn. And honestly, in the long run, I think this is a better pick for them than Vladimir Tarasenko. For sure. And it mi- it mixes well with the sort of theme they were going with there, especially with their defense. They signed Oleksiak and Larson to extensions right away. But other than that, I mean... I think there's Carson Soucy that's signed past 21-22. And then outside of that, there's nobody. And he's a youngish. He fits the mold of what they were going for. On the younger sort of side, a lot of teams, they picked guys that were on the younger sort of side. Maybe didn't get the best playing situation where they were, but do have definitely shown upside in the past. So, And he brings a lot to the table. He's a great skater. Just hasn't quite found his footing in St. Louis there. Kind of fell out of favor from what I heard. I don't get it. Honestly, I don't. Because he was good this year. And he didn't play in the playoffs. And they signed Tory Krug and Justin Falk. 
two very one-dimensional players. To long-term UFA deals. Yep. So, in my opinion, I would protect Vince Dunn ahead of both of those guys all day. But whatever happened with him and the coach in St. Louis, it didn't work out. Everyone always talk always talked about Nate Schmidt going to Vegas and that being his opportunity. I think Vince Dunn is the Nate Schmidt of this draft. I think he's going to go there. I think he's going to play top four minutes. I think he's going to put up a decent amount of points. And he's going to be responsible in both ends of the ice. Oh, if you look at Vince Dunn's career trajectory, the big complaint about him is like he makes, you know, one too many turnovers. Okay, that's fair. But his first two years, he was a pretty effective offensive defenseman, and in his last two years, he's actually de- developed quite a. In a, quite a strong defensive game. His defensive impacts have been outstanding. So, again, this is a guy who's shown you that he can do at least something very positive in each year of his career. If this is the year he puts it all together, you're looking at a legit top 4D all day. Cost-controlled as well. I think it's a great pick. I think you put him with Mark Giordano day one. Ooh. Bang. That'd be a nice one. He has some good upside relative to what they chose. I mean, there's Giordano who obviously has offensive upside, but relative to who they picked, I think he has the most offensive upside there. I agree. There's and a again, use case for him. In this situation, there's a big use case for him. There's a spot like penciled in for him, like, and they're going to give him some leeway as well. And so. he played the, on the power play in St. Louis as well. A little bit, yeah. So, again, if this is a, you know, this is a full goal confidence booster for him. You're picked in the expansion draft, fresh start. You're going to be one of our top four defensemen. Picked you over Tarasenko. Like, they like him, and they should like him, and I think he's going to be really good. Exactly, exactly. That was great pickup there for them. It was interesting. What, what, what were your thoughts on, like, their philosophy almost with some of these picks? So, it's a little bit of a catch-22 here. Here's why. I like how they picked players. You can tell they really invested in their analytics department. They have already one of the biggest analytics staff in the entire NHL. A lot of their picks reflect that. They took a lot of players who have positive, you know, analytical impacts, not necessarily points or assists or stuff like that, but in the time they've played, they've had positive impacts on either end of the ice, whether that be offensive or defensive. The problem is I think a lot of people expected them to utilize the trading aspect that Vegas did, where Vegas was able to, you know, squeeze draft picks and prospects out of teams in order to kind of take a player that they want off their roster. We're hearing that Seattle didn't do that at all. In my opinion, that makes some of their picks very questionable. Mm-hmm. The pick from Columbus jumps out. The pick from Chicago. Like these are guys that are probably not ever going to play in the NHL for Seattle. Do you think they galaxy brain themselves? They might have, but I, I just think that's a big added value of the expansion draft that they left on the table. And we heard all week the cost is insane that they're asking, and I get it why they would want to do that. But I think they may have priced themselves out of a little bit of value here by asking for a first and a third for, to, for a team to you know, protect an extra player. So that was a little disappointing. But overall, who they've picked in the philosophy, I liked it. They took a lot of young. And when I say young, I mean like 24, 25. As young as you could be. Exactly, because you couldn't pick anyone younger than that, really, That was because they wouldn't be, be eligible, right? Young guys, analytics look good, like good stats, good impacts on the ice. And their cost control, a lot of them are RFAs still, and they they have no cap like they have no cap expenditure. They're very, very lucky that they have a ton of cap space right now, and they did that on purpose, right? And I like it. I really like that strategy. Other than the trade part, which I was disappointed with, I like the idea of taking you know value players on good contracts, 
and not going full out and going 81.5 right off the expansion draft. Now they got room to make a trade, to sign a free agent, maybe Dougie Hamilton, maybe they go out Landeskog again, maybe they trade for Seth Jones. I don't know, but they have a chance to make a big splash here. I, I get why they didn't take guys like Voracek or JVR or Shattenkirk, guys that are locked in veterans on longer contracts. They didn't want to be burdened with those deals, and I understand it. Longer term, higher number for some of those guys, and also the numbers aren't the cleanest on the defensive end there. I think they really went with some very defensively responsible forwards. Am I correct on that? 100%. And, like, yeah, I, I, I like some of these. Like, Jordan Eberle, Yanni Gord really really st- and and jared mccann really really stand out to me as guys now that their time on ice is going to go through the roof they're going to be getting every opportunity in the book and i really like each of their skill sets however now apparently we're being told yanni gord is having shoulder surgery so we'll see how that one works out i mean it's not too many options at center other than him really right so that's we'll a little see. bit scary there, but again, you do have like thirty million cap space to to work with there. But the defensive philosophy that they employ and they put forth there—I mean, when you looked at Philadelphia, a lot of people were picking Shane Gossesbear. I know you really like him, but yeah. he's a power play specialist for sure. And when you look at all these players, they're either very good defensively, or they're very good overall, right? Yeah. So there's no, there was no like room for the Shane Gosses bear kind of philosophy in there. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, it makes sense when you think about it, right? Because you know, you're not going to get that top, top end talent Mm -hmm. unless they're on a massive contract. So like the efficiency that's here is that, okay, let's take the maybe less flashy, but very solid defensive forwards that are on manageable cap hits. We can build our roster with those guys who we trust on all four lines. And then we can use free agency to add that elite skill because Let's face it, other than Tarasenko, who, again, massive injury risk, high cap hit, JVR or Voracek, both aging guys, both slower. Again, pretty much everyone they took can skate as well, especially at forwards. Look at the average height of the forwards they took that are NHL players. These are small guys who can skate. I like. I really like the skating. Like Nathan Bastian's a pretty good skater, but like Colin Blackwell, Jordan Eberle's not a bad skater. Brandon Tanev is a, McCann, is a firecracker. Jared McCann is... Very good skater. Yanni Gord is very, very fast. Like, I don't know. Anyone mocking Seattle not taking Yanni Gord, I found that hard to believe. Like, why wouldn't they take Yanni Gord? Like, Yanni Gord is fantastic. Fantastic. The the five on five minutes in the playoffs on the Stanley Cup winning team should tell you everything you need to know about him. But, I mean, 5.1 for the, like, and he's locked up until 24 25, too. That's a great deal. Right and again, there. A- even after signing Jamie Alexiak and Adam Larson, which, by the way, will be one of the best shutdown pairs in the NHL this year. These guys yeah. are really good. They have $28 million in cap space. And well, their yeah. owner has already said he's willing to spend up to the to the ceiling. This is not a situation where it's a new team that doesn't want to spend. Their owners have said, spend, go ahead. You have free reign. Oh, yeah. Which is why I do respect that Ron Francis said, you know what? If that's the case, I'd rather choose who I spend the money on. I'm not going to take a burden of somebody else's bad contract. Oh, that's so. a, yeah, that's a great philosophy there as well. In terms of goalies, they could have really spent there as well. Like Ben Bishop was available, Brayden yeah. Holpe was available, Carey Price was available. Like imagine picking Price and Ben Bishop there. That's 16 just for fun kind of. 16 million dollars worth of goalies, but like 
That's a ton of money. In a couple of years, are you really going to be happy with it? No, it's like <laughs> almost like buying out that kind of money. Yeah, and, that'd be terrible. And in a couple of years, when you look at all the guys being exposed and such, and being told to waive their no movement clauses, what kind of players were they? There were free agents a couple of years ago that just got caked, and then it went awry. So let's let's right approach word. the price subject. Were you surprised they didn't take them? No. No. Well. Okay. In the end, there was apparently a lot of mulling over. Oh, now he needs surgery, and you know how it is. I don't know. Mark Bergevin was just pulling out. Oh, yeah, you can take him, but, you know. He's injured. He's injured. I heard he doesn't even like hockey anymore. He might retire next year. Like, I don't know. He was doing his thing. But, like, it made no sense, just like, especially with the philosophy that they went with, efficiency with the cap and good, like, good numbers, guys. Carey Price is neither of those things in the regular season the last two years. No, he's not. Not at all. So it didn't surprise me at all to be spending 10-5 on. Like, could it have worked? Sure. But then he's got some term left on that 10-5 deal. So oh, that's yeah. where you're like, no thanks. And well, then Ben Bishop's another one. Former Vesna uh, nominee. Went to the Stanley Cup Finals with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning there. I mean, Dallas went as well, but he wasn't part of it. So excluding that one. Has proven to be a great goalie, but did not play last year. So is it worth the cap spend for five and a half on Ben Bishop? It's a dice roll. It's a very, very dicey one right there. So no, and, and I like how they approach the goaltending situation. was, again, younger-ish guys, cost-controlled. They took Dreger, which was like the worst-kept secret of the expansion draft. I think people knew that like two weeks ago or whatever. They signed him to a very affordable deal, three and a half mil over three years. Nothing wrong with that. Doesn't kill you at all. That's... That's backup money for some teams these days, honestly. Yeah. What does Jake Allen make? Like two eight next year, but this year he was four five. Right. So they took Vitek Vanacek from Washington again. He a small sample size, but he was decent. He wasn't spectacular for a backup goalie. Like what he's going to be expected to next year? Well, probably thirty five forty starts. Like he was okay, but he was a rookie, and he makes seven hundred k. He was a rookie on a not great defensive team. Yeah. Right. And that's the other thing to remember. 700K. This is going to be a good defensive team. I'm not sure they're going to score a lot of goals, but this is for sure going to be a good defensive team. So Built for the playoffs. The one player I was surprised they didn't take was Kakinen from Minnesota. Seems yeah. like they just like Carson Susi more, who's, you know, a big defenseman. I can't believe Looks there's Looks like no a bottom pairing there. guy. I know. That was surprising to me. And but that one made no sense either. Carson Susi 275. For two more He's years. The what, like fourth highest paid player? He's got term one more year left on the deal there. Big guy, which fits the rest of the units that they picked there. But that one was kind of weird that they didn't pick Kakinen. I mean, they could have signed Kakinen again, team controlled, another couple of years, has some good sample sizes to this past year. I, I like I like Kakinen over Vanichech. So. Well, maybe they liked Vanacek and Decord better. I, I don't know. But I do like the type of goalie they picked Well, also, again. though, if you pick one of Vanacek or Kakinen, like, you're going to have to play on, them. Yeah. 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 So you have to be smart right. with that. You can't pick both of them. Right. So that makes sense. Hey, I, I have no complaints about it. If that's their goaltending situation, I think that's probably better. Okay. I mean, per dollar, that's one of the better goaltending situations in the league. Unfortunately, it's unproven. However, it's efficient, and they've, they've shown some sample size that exactly. they can be good, and they've got a good defensive core in front of them. Exactly. Again, a lot of people are going to look at unfamiliar names on this roster, but they've given themselves a ton of flexibility, which is only going to benefit them going forward. Yeah. The one, Carson, who was your biggest surprise that they took in this 
Well, for me, I know a lot of people said, you know, they're not taking Max Domi. They're not taking Max Domi. I said, okay, well, that's weird because it's pretty good. They took Gavin Bayreuther from Columbus, Gavin I believe. Gavin Bayreuther, something like Bay- that. Yeah. Bayreuther. He's a 27-year-old defenseman who played 13 games this year, and he's a UFA. 13? I thought it was nine. And he's a <laughs> UFA. So I don't really know what that was, honestly. That was weird. That one made absolutely no sense to me. 12 points in 15 games in the age, or sorry, 12 points in 14 games in the AHL this year. Nine games played in the NHL this year. Was that the biggest who in the draft, the Snoop Dogg meme? Or it, what about Carson Tornisky? Torinsky? <laughs> I've, I've never heard of this guy before. I, I, there was a couple prospects that came to my mind, but like, Younger-ish player, but, like, uh, has he even put up good numbers in the AHL before? No, he hasn't. He hasn't even put up good WHL numbers. I don't know where they saw this guy play hockey. Like, does this guy play men's league by the rink near Ron Francis's house? That one made no sense either there. Like, that one was crazy. John Quenville, I can understand that one. He's a 96-born. He's a really good skater. Hasn't I mean he's been given chances in other teams that just haven't hasn't found his way. Maybe he's their depth guy. He can add some speed to the fourth line. They sign sign him cheap because I think he's UFA or RFA. I don't know which one, but I don't know. Maybe they would have liked Zadorov more. He would have. But fit here's the thing. Team. So when you look at these three guys, right? The guy from Columbus, from Philadelphia, and from Chicago. If you look at their other options that they could have taken, so Philly would have been Voracek, JVR, Gossespierre. Chicago would have been Zadorov or Calvin DeHaan, probably. And Columbus would have been Max Domi. All those guys carry a heavy cap hit. Mm-hmm. And maybe at the end of the day, all they said was, you know what? We'll just roll the dice with the guys in free agency and our future acquisitions. We'll take players that may end up just being AHL players for us. But, you know, we can't take the cap hit on. Sorry. Yeah. That's it. That c- it could be as simple as that. In that situation, though, I'd like to see them use a little leverage there, though. Mm-hmm. You know, Columbus... We'll let you keep Max Domi. Give us a third or a fourth or I something. I think they were too firm with know. their pricing there. and they just The other thing is, I, I want to add this. If Max Domi's reputation is this bad around the league, the Leafs should be all over that player. Oh, yeah. 100%. He wants to. I, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but he's liked two of my Instagram posts. One was Matt Sundin, which obviously. But after the Leafs, exhi- the bubble exhibition game against the Leafs, at 1.30 a.m., Max Domi liked the Instagram video of Randy Carlisle and Phil Kessel going we, at Hey, each we've other. all been there, the old 1.30 a.m. 1.30 a.m., this guy's liking a Leafs post after losing to the Leafs, getting embarrassed by the Leafs in an exhibition game. Thought that was interesting. He And he's he's made the comments when he was at the Raptors game, oh, this is louder than what I've seen with the Leafs. And he's made the comments about the Leafs before. This guy wants to be a Leaf so badly. Grew up in Toronto. His dad is a Leafs legend as well. Like, they're like I don't I can't I don't know if I can name anyone else around the league that wants to be a Leaf more than Max Domi. Yeah, and he's a UFA next year too. So maybe he does, or is he an RFA? He's a ninety-five born. I think he's an RFA. Yeah, one more year. But Eric, look that up. But we'll figure that out. Eric's gonna look that up for us. He's our he's our computer guy. Um. Any other surprises with this one? I, I, mean, th- I think you could say Oleksiak Larson, but then again, they had those contracts in place, it seems. And it was funny because Larson was, oh, we got word back. He Max is a Domi. UFA. He's a UFA. Yes, sir. With a big U. All right. 
That makes sense then. Um, so come home, Max. You're going to suffer one more year and then come home. Or maybe I wonder, tr- I wonder, I wonder if an Alex Kerfoot, Max Domi swap makes sense in some sort of timeline. No. <laughs> Why not? Because Alex Kerfoot what, has two years left. Okay. He's a 94 born and then a UFA. What do you mean? Well, they clearly want to get rid of Max Domi. They left him unprotected. So the but trade. They're, they're rebuilding. What are they going to do? Who do they Kerfoot? have at center? I don't know. They don't want. They don't care. They're rebuilding. Know. They're looking for. They're, they'd be looking for a younger player. They'd be looking for someone like. I don't know. It would have to be like, maybe like Adam. We have. We have sure, I'll give centers. Adam Brooks great. Like I don't care. <laughs> what are we I doing here? Know. It'd be like Engvall plus 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 or Adam Brooks plus 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 plus. That's just a guy that's younger, team control kind of thing, cheap, right? That's what I would think it would make sense. Kerfoot just makes no sense. I was thinking earlier, oh, Kerfoot to the desert for Dvorak. Why Why would the Coyotes want that? Just They're a throw, bunch of cheap hey, losers. Just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out I know. there. Uh, it can, but he I was exposed for the expansion draft. They clearly don't value him that highly. That's that's my point. Which is crazy. He was traded for Josh Anderson, too. Mm-hmm. Like, well. Anyways. <laughs> he's Josh Anderson stinks. Let's just say it. Um, moving on i had something good in my head and then i forgot because we were talking about that one. Oh, um larson it was funny because the rumor was three nine over four years from the oilers i think he just took that contract once right to seattle and said can you beat this and they went of course and then offered him four by four but i he- i was a little surprised with the ufa picks but they had contracts in place clearly because frank saravalli broke those last year but one thing that was interesting that Ron Francis said is we're happy that Larson chose to come here. Mm-hmm. I think I don't think it was like Edmonton offered him way less. I think you probably had the exact same contract on the table. He just wanted to make sure he was going to get his and he and Seattle gave him and he chose to go to Seattle over Edmonton. That's just interesting. Yeah, that's that very, very interesting. Hackstall, when he went, do you buy into anything where Hackstall went up and they introduced him and he talked about culture? And uh, he's going to build a team with culture. Some people were alluding to him saying the Leafs had none. That's not true. Because he did when he got hired by um, Seattle, he went on overdrive and they asked him those questions about the Leafs. Oh. And he essentially said, like, this group is a good group. I know they haven't proven it, but they will prove it in the future. Is it paraphrasing essentially gotta, what he I said. I got to clip that. Yeah, I'll send it to that you. One. But, yeah, so... I mean, he just said what every coach has ever said in the history of hockey, really. I don't I wouldn't put much thought culture into that. Sure. And such. Um, moving on. I mean, the intros, I gotta talk. We didn't mention Marshawn Lynch going up there. All time. So they did three hundred takes clearly with the Leafs. They threw the fish and whatever. And we saw a couple of them. Marshawn Lynch, do you think they asked him to do another take? Because he completely botched that. Uh no, he's a one take guy. I think they told him that no one take we're good because he didn't even say Callie Yarncroft's full name, just said Callio, and then went okay and then fumbled through some other words and then uh, that was about it. I thought that was pretty funny. I, I have one thing to quickly add to look forward to tomorrow. Two things that Dreger just tweeted right now. So there will be deals announced tomorrow from Seattle. They will not be like protection type deals. There'll be flips. So there's a couple players that Seattle has taken tonight that will be flipped to, to other teams tomorrow. The second thing is Darren Dreger said Paul and Boston are finishing up on their deal. Likely done tomorrow. Should come in at four years around $24 million. 
So exactly as we speculated, it's going to be four years, six mil average annual value. That is a terrific contract so for Hall, the Boston Hall Bruins. Hall is four years, six? To the Boston Bruins. Who was the other one? Was there another one? No, that, the other one was that they're going to announce a uh, flip trade, which is where Seattle has taken a player in the expansion, which they agreed in advance to move to another team. I think one of those players is going to be Tyler Pitlick, in which they picked from the Arizona Coyotes. Tyler Pitlick? Of all guys that they picked. I'm just throwing it out there. That's an interesting one. So look out for okay. that tomorrow. Maybe by the time you listen to this, there will already be trades announced, but That's we'll interesting. see. So it seems like the strategy they took is instead of the type of protection deals that we talked about with Vegas. Is but they, I heard the flips were also going to be expensive. They might be. Who knows? We'll see. If Tyler Pitlick gets... Oh, okay. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what the heck they're going to get for him. The one interesting pick that I thought that uh, Seattle made, Curtis McDermott. This guy has awful numbers. He's a UFA next year. He's cheap and he's big, which fits the mold of their D. But outside of being cheap and big... He didn't really show much for the L.A. Kings. Important to note that Ron Francis did play with his dad. Not, I'm not sure that means anything, but funny. but wasn't Carl Grundstrom available to them? There was a couple other yeah, interesting. Yeah, I ones just there. I don't know if they value like I I, I liked Athanasio. I see is their team multi does not fit it at all, so I understand no. why they didn't take him. But again, these may be situations where these are like tenth defensemen. These are AHL players for them. Was Lyash Anderson exposed? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. That would have been an interesting one to take a swing on. He would have fit the mold perfectly there. But, yeah, uh, moving on. I think we've nailed about everything here. Was there anything else? No, I, I'm very excited to see what comes in the next couple of days. I think between now and the draft, there's going to be a lot of movement as well. I think the draft's going to be a lot of fun because it's an unconventional year due to COVID. So I think a lot of boards are going to look very different as will scouch said on our podcast if you haven't listened to that episode it's really freaking good so oh, yeah. give it a listen if you listen to it you'll sound like a draft expert to everyone you talk to exactly Friday. and uh yeah we'll see what trades come through I, I think everyone in toronto's impatiently waiting for the next move because a lot of people are not happy on twitter there so. better be a next move there will be a next move they're but not going to go into next season with 10 million of cap space um my last thought closing out um, Seattle was built heavily off of analytics. I can't wait for idiots on Twitter when they lose in the Stanley Cup Finals to go out. See, this is why you can't build a team yeah, off of analytics. Of course. Mm. <laughs> I, th I think they have the right people in place there, though, it seems, which is very encouraging. And again, they got about 30 mil of cap space. They're going to take advantage of that. Th that's where they might make some bad decisions. When you yeah. got that much cap space, that's where maybe you overpay a couple of guys. But hey, they have the room to do it. I just hope they don't go full Vegas where Vegas starts giving away all their prospects and picks for like Thomas Tatar, which not that he was bad for them, but they gave <laughs> a one, two and a three for Tatar. And then they gave him, they had to pay to get rid of him that Correct. summer. So those are, those are the type of moves. I don't want them to dive in too deep, but I like the, I like the start. We'll see the trades tomorrow. I wish they would have made more fancy protection trades, but I like the start. Yep. I see the vision. That's important. Exactly, exactly. I love how everyone has a purpose, it seems like, on this team. They fit in somewhere. I in love Seattle. that. Some players just looking for a purpose. I love it. it. Like When you look at each of the picks, though, isn't it like, oh, they picked him because he's going to go here, he's going to play this type of role, and he's going to do this. It wasn't just like, yeah, we'll see. Right? Yep, I agree. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And... uh that's all, that's all we got for today. Go Leafs, go.